Welcome to BA Chats. I'm Rachel Koontz. I'm your host. I'm so happy to have you. This is where we share testimonies because testimony means do it again, God. (laughs) And he's done so many wonderful things. We want him to keep doing those things over and over. So when you hear beautiful stories of what Jesus is doing in people's lives, it's appropriate and it's powerful that your heart leap. And when that happens, open up your mouth and say, God, do it in me. Do something in me. Do everything in me. Live in me. Speak in me. Breathe in me. It's a testimony. So, again, we are hoping we provoke you to a do it again, God. And then also, we here at Bethel Atlanta, we just have got cool people. There are too many amazing stories of people chasing after God that do wild things with their lives. Not to have a podcast. So that's why we have a podcast. We want to share <laughs> people doing wildly wonderful things for Jesus. And we've got somebody in studio today that I'm just honored that he's here. He's a, a definite favorite, a definite hero, somebody we have looked to for so much guidance, especially in parenting and just relationships in general. Um, Danny Silk. Hey, hey. Thank you for being <laughs> here. I'm so excited. I've been looking uh, very forward to this. Well, this is great to be here. How are you? I'm doing great. Do a great having a great visit just just ta- having so much fun so much fun here in Atlanta again yes you here. provoke so much fun when you come you I, are fun I love it I do yeah yeah this is a random question I didn't prepare for this <laughs> are you afraid no not at all <laughs> not at all I not would at all. scare you even a little bit <laughs> have you always been this funny I don't know. I probably have always wanted to be this funny, but uh, I I just love having fun, and uh, I love people, and so you get a room full of people who want to learn and and just want to grow, and uh, maybe sometimes don't know how to or, or don't know what's in the way. It's it's a lot of work moving those big obstacles and uh, dealing with them. I'm sometimes you have to blow up the rocks, and uh, if people aren't laughing. They're angry because this is pretty confrontive stuff. This is pretty um, deep, deep changes that you're asking people to look at and to make. And um, Sherry calls it anesthetic for surgery. And it's true. It's like, you know, you (laughs) keep them laughing, man. You keep them laughing. And then pretty soon they go, oh, my gosh, I'm bleeding. You're like, yeah, it's going to heal, though. And you're going to be fine. So it's intentional. Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah, it's part of my style. Very effective. Yeah. You and Mary Poppins. It yep. is true. A spoonful of sugar <laughs> makes the I medicine agree. go down. I concur with Mary. Well, I was Sunday, of course. Um, Danny, we were so honored. He came and d- does our service here in Atlanta. And I was thinking about Jesse Duplantis. Are you familiar? Uh, you know, I'm not. I mean, I know who he is. Okay. I'm not familiar with his delivery style or his message. He's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, downright funny. And I found my, and he, in his testimony, he said he wasn't this funny before he got born again. Oh. So I found myself watching you Sunday and, and wondering, has he always been this funny or mm. is this just Jesus and Danny? Oh, well, in my early years, I smoked a lot of pot <laughs> and I, and I was hilarious. I was so hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> then I got saved and I was scared to be funny. This is great. I was so scared to be funny because I thought I was, you know, breaking the rules or something, you know. And so I was really quiet and reserved, and it took a while. But, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, I think as you mature, you just realize that uh, it's, it's essential that people are happy and joyful 
while they take on life's big challenges because it's just uh, it's just a little bit unbearable without all this laughter. I love this. Thanks for drawing attention to that process. That's normal. So <laughs> again, you know, we podcast a thousands and you don't podcast are funny. You don't know who's listening until they're like, oh, I'm in Botswana, mm-hmm. and I heard, you know, yeah. but um, I love the fact that all of us got born again and went through this funny anti-us stage. Gosh. You know? Oh, well, yeah. It was so foreign. Yeah. I mean, I mean the the whole, I, I was not raised in a Christian family. I was not, you know, I didn't know any Christians. I did not understand what we were doing here. <laughs> but uh, everybody looks so serious <laughs> and so scared of breaking the rules, you know, and I didn't even know what the rules were. So... I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sure I'm breaking them just for, by being here. So I'm just going to be quiet <laughs> and not myself. Maybe I won't break as many. <laughs> I don't want anybody to tell me I broke a rule, so I'll just try to guess what they are. <laughs> but we all come through it, you know, yeah. and, and you find the Holy Spirit makes you more alive mm-hmm. than you were before, obviously. And there's a lot less rules than I thought there were. Boy, that's good news. Could you speak into that? Yeah, I think the, the rule primarily is love really well. That's the rule. Love really well. Love the Lord your God. Love him really well. And and learn what accelerates the relationship and, and learn what harms the relationship. And then go and do likewise to everybody else, including yourself. I think that's those are the rules. We were um, honored to have Danny in our staff meeting this morning, and you kept saying something over and over about you just work it out. You just work it out. Is that what you just said? Yeah, well, that's the uh, covenant piece. That's the that's what keeps us in there when when we do break a rule. Like I've been married thirty four years. I broke a whole bunch of rules. That didn't know I was breaking them. Ah, some <laughs> of them I did, but oftentimes. But you said you didn't. I, well, so I mean, <laughs> I, I I defended myself. Right, you know, I, I, totally. I didn't know I did it. Yeah. No, okay, I did. Yeah, I did it because of you. I did it because of you. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> So you break you break in the rules, and then you you um, you work it out. You work it out. You know she breaks the rules, and then and then we work it out. And so I you know I break the rules with the Lord, and and then and then we work it out. And I break the rules in with my friends and and people I've been with for forty years, and then we just work it out. Is this another way of saying we're all alive and we're growing? Who knows what this thing's going to look like? I'm in it with you, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're we, talking about growth, apparently. I mean, uh, uh, or are you? I'm talking about eternity. Okay. I'm talking about um, that I'm on this planet to have eternal relationships, not just momentary, not just convenient, but eternal. So, and then there's just different people in different levels of access to my life, and I'm in different levels of access to their life, and those are the boundaries, but. Really, all my relationships really are eternal. So whether I live in a city or I go to a church or I'm part of a business here or a business there or a church there or a church here, these are lifelong relationships in my expectation. They may or may not actually be frequent, but they are eternal. And so when I come back to a place or I see somebody again or we go through a bunch of drama about something, the expectation is we work it out and I'll see you later. Well, you just moved the finish line into eternity. Boom. That left lots of room <laughs> for us to grow. And, and again, like you're saying, make mistakes and work it out. Yeah, I, I really take the, you know, conform to his image thing seriously. Like this is really when we talk about love, it, it, uh, it's eternal. 
And so, I mean, I think we have, uh, you know, I, I, I think we get married to find out how selfish we are, you know. And I, I thought it was so <laughs> because giving. Because no one knows. You I, just don't know I until you get married. I was so giving, and I was going to be <laughs> such a prize to mar- be married to. <laughs> lucky girl. And you're so lucky, lucky girl. girl. You're so, you know, can you believe you got all this? And... Uh, <laughs> And all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, I am kind of unreasonable. You know, I can't believe how angry I am that I didn't get my way. Wow. And that's marriage. And then you have children, and you end up with these little experiences of what unconditional love looks like. Like, oh, my gosh, this person is keeping me up all night, throwing up on me, uh, just, you know, just broke my dad's thing that he gave me that's a treasure. I Okay, and I just keep coming back and keep coming back and working it out and working it out and protecting my connection to this little teenager who's making me crazy, who I can't believe, you know, has my last name and you are not representing that. Who oh, you know, And I just keep working it out and then they become adults and then they, they really are off the chain. Then they're just doing whatever they want and then they get married and now we've introduced and we just keep working it out, keep working. And I think having children has introduced me to what unconditional eternal love looks like. You make so much room. I love these thoughts. They're Mm. beautiful thoughts. You just make so much room for thinking and growth and experience. Mm. What is comforting and secure about this kind of thought process? Like, where do you find your security when you're like, I got nothing. Mm. You just, I mean, everything's just free. It's just Mm. all free. It's Mm. your decisions. It's my decisions. Mm -hmm. Where, when you're the person, when you're the parent, Mm. where do you find comfort when your child is like, your heart with mm-hmm. little legs on the outside of you doing things that you've never taught him to do. Mm-hmm. Or, if, or if you're the spouse and your spouse is misbehaving, mm-hmm. where, what is the security? Where do you find comfort? Uh, you know, it's in my primary relationship. It's, okay. you know, it's where I get my love from. You know, these other people are my target, but <laughs> I get my source is unconditional. And he is, he is ready, present, never ending doesn't get exhausted you know he i can go to him and i so i have hope i have hope that i'm gonna get love i'm gonna get safety i'm gonna get security i'm gonna get freedom i'm gonna get the things that i think those people took from me i they weren't my source that is helpful he's my source they're actually my target but as we go through our relationships for a while it actually seems like this person is my source how does that happen um i think it's just the exchange it's just the exchange of love back and forth and before you know it you're you're supplied because it's wonderful it's great this is working the way it's supposed to work and then somebody drops a big old rock in the pond and we're like oh my gosh this is not working this is not happy this is not (laughs) a place that anxiety is flooding me i need some love how do you stay when things are going wonderfully how do you stay connected to the Lord? He's still your source, even though you're like, I don't know, you feel like a source, husband. You're a good source. I yeah. love you. Yeah, I love the way this is going. How do you stay connected so when inevitably there's a rock thrown in the pond, you're not just totally shaken? Well, you probably will be. Okay. You know, um, but, and you'll be hurt and you'll be, you know, but I think the disciplines, this is where the disciplines of uh, reading and praying and soaking and worship and just that rhythm of life if as long as i have that in place i'm much less likely to end up with a 
um, a, a big gap between where I've been living and where my source is. It's, it's uh, typically much shorter. And I also don't fall as dependent as I might otherwise on these other relationships if I do stay that close to that source. You know, it's when I lose the rhythm of my disciplines, I think that's when we really end up with a, mm, I think a kind of a confusing and or um, deluded uh, uh, supply from heaven. And, and uh, I think that's, you know, when people are talking about going to church and people are talking about fellowship and all that stuff, it's all, it's all part of the discipline structure, the infrastructure, if you will, on my life so that when there's a hole in the wall, the house doesn't come down. Are discipline synonyms for rules? Um, I think disciplines are synonyms for habits. Okay. And so I can have uh, I can have really great disciplines. I can have really terrible disciplines. And did you just say your disciplines, synonym habits, you can have as as high a standard personally as you want. You just shouldn't put a whole bunch of those on the people outside of you. Yeah, good luck with that, you know. Okay, um, yeah, that's cause, helpful. Because not being able to control people is a reality. So, but uh, you can, on a good day, control yourself. You know, on a good day, you can keep your own disciplines in place, and you can lead. You can you can teach. You can sh- uh, demonstrate, model. But uh, it's it, I think if you kind of create like a monastery experience where you know everybody's <laughs> doing the same thing you know and that's and we call it home or church or whatever I was just like, I hope <laughs> my kids don't come out going i was raised in a monastery oh no then that's me you know basically saying the the uh what it takes to stay in this environment is you have to be me that is helpful mm. So what does healthy expectation for your children and spouse look like? How, how do you put that like, oh, I expect you to do well, but not I expect you to do well. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Like, how do you what's a healthy expectation look like on children, on a spouse? Well, I think, uh, you know, your children are going to push those boundaries will be in themselves. You know, they're it's their little jobs. Yeah. You know, it's in. The, and so you start agitating. You're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do this. Do this. Don't do that. Do that. And they're like, Mom, Dad, like what? And so that process, you know, over time, fortunately, you know, you have these kids for a while and they get, they get to shape you. You get to shape them. And you're both different after it's all over. You've both changed. Hopefully you've both grown. Um, parents have to grow. You cannot interact with your teenager the way you did with your toddler. That's if, helpful. You know, if you don't change, if you don't grow with the demands of leadership, then you will become an irrelevant leader. And you'll be replaced by peers or teachers or somebody else because you don't understand me. That is helpful. Mm. That is helpful. So could you speak more into the expectation? How do you put a proper, healthy expectation on your child? Um, classically, by living it yourself. Okay. You know? So you definitely are going to be leading by example, and you're going to be leading by consistency. Um, and then conversation and protecting that, that connection, that relationship. Uh, you're, you can lead through connection, but every time there's a disconnect, mm. stop repair the disconnect and now let's continue but you you are not leading somebody you're disconnected from you're probably building resentment 
You know, you've got a bunch that of rules helpful. without relationship leads to rebellion. That's true. You know, it's very true. If you try to enforce these expectations, but you don't have a relationship, you don't have a connection, you're, uh, you're jacking up the anxiety and you're going to end up in a war. You're going to end up in a, a, a people pushing each other away instead of people moving in the same direction. There are now millions of parents slobbering at the, they want me to ask this question and mm. I can feel it. Okay. <laughs> How do I connect? This thing called connection that you're talking about. <laughs> How do I do that mm. so I can lead through connection? Mm-hmm. Well, this is back to keep your love on, you know, a shameless name drop there of a book title. Drop it! Boom, you know, keep your love on, but I'm telling you. Get it out there! It should be out there! It's good for us! It needs to be out there! And so, that is my job one, is I keep my love on, even when I get hurt, even when I get scared. Mm. I manage me towards you. My goal with you is connection. I can see you're really upset with me, and nonetheless, my goal is connection. So, I keep sending the I love you messages while you sort through... um, your homicidal fantasies towards me <laughs> and uh, and or I towards you, whichever. And uh, we prioritize the connection over the issue. So whatever the issue is that's disconnected us, it gets subordinated to the priority of our love. So love's ruling our conversation, love's ruling our decision-making instead of the issue and the division is ruling our love and our disagreement is ruling our relationship. So there's a practice of covenant, is moving love above the issue. Back to the new covenant. So how important is getting to the bottom of a problem with somebody that you love in a relationship, like understanding why did you do that? How important is that? Uh, it's probably variable. You know, in some instances it's super important. In other instances it's not as important as I'd like to have made it. Great. But uh, I think the real the real issue is that we do that discussion in a connection. Because when we're connected, we talk about different things than when we're disconnected. And if we try to resolve conflict while we're disconnected, we're both scared. We're both hurt. We both want control. And so I bring my worst self to the conversation. You bring your worst self to the conversation. We say, okay, ready, set, let's have a <laughs> terrible conversation together. This is going to so, be awful. This is going to be awful. Let's scare each other of talking to each other. Okay, ready, go. And boom, it's horrible. It's horrible. So we go back and we have this terrible disconnect. We have this, uh, this thing we disagree about. Somebody did something to hurt somebody. We come back. And step one is we find some form of connection. Now, I would teach uh, couples or anybody, really, use the love language thing. Like, I know that you're a physical contact, affirmation, love language person. So I'm going to come over, I'm going to sit by you, I'm going to put my hand on your leg, I'm going to tell you how amazing you are to me, I'm going to remind you of a bunch of your successes and how much I admire you. And I'm going to help reduce the anxiety between us by letting you know that I love you. And there is the beginning of our conversation. And then I'm going to keep that connection. And if we lose the conversation, uh, the connection in the conversation, then the conversation stops. We stop. And, and you know what? We'll, we'll come back. I'll come back. 
and affirm how much I love you. And maybe we won't talk about this today. Maybe what we'll do is we'll just um, we'll just sit and watch a movie, and I'll uh, put, wow. put my hand on your leg, and uh, we'll share a blanket, and we'll watch a movie together. And maybe we'll talk about this later. But job one is we get that connection back so we can chase the fear away and that love can rule whatever it is we talk about. Because we'll talk differently protecting a connection than we will when we have nothing to protect. If you had to prioritize, then you would say that definitely the person, not the solution, takes priority. That you'll eventually get to the solution if you prioritize the person, number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when the Pharisees say, "Hey, what's the greatest rule? What you know? What's the biggest religious rule we could possibly have? Could you give us one commandment? What would it be? What would it be? What could we beat each other up for the rest of time?" <laughs> and he says, uh, "Oh, well, love, <laughs> love. So smart. I'll, I'll give you three. I'll give you the top three: love, love, love. <laughs> All you need is love." Jesus came up with that song first, not I the like, Beatles. Not the Beatles. They're onto something. Beatles <laughs> stole that song from Jesus. <laughs> okay, so. Safe. I, it, it, I, it is safe. It is secure to say that we learn how to love each other properly and then how we work it out in your language. And that context is relationship, godly relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all about chasing the fear away. Love and fear are mortal enemies. Wow. You know, they're just Have constantly always known that that hasn't been conversation in my childhood, but it is conversation now. It is true. It's true. Did, did the Lord tell you that specifically? Were you taught that that they were opposites? Love and fear are opposites? Well, you know, First uh, John 4, 18, the perfect love, mature love casts out fear. Yeah, it's like it's always been there. Yeah. But people are, I've only been in the conversation for the last 15 years. Yeah, so it's light and dark. It's, you know, we had a big old light and dark conversation for a long time, but the same thing, that you know, they, thing. they displace okay. one another. And so as we emphasize community, covenant, connection, family, you know, then we really have to emphasize the catalyst of those things. Uh, I think it's probably at one point we were really emphasizing the catalyst of salvation. So we talked a lot about light and dark, uh, life and death. But now we're really, as a, a as a movement, as a church, we're really emphasizing what the enemy has come to destroy, which is love. He's sexualized love. Uh, he's uh, made it old-fashioned. You know, marriage is unnecessary. Uh, children are an inconvenience. Family is uh, a, a, a dysfunctional mess of control and pain. And so the, the assault on love has decimated our, our society. And so the, the, the emphasis right now in, this, in our era is we, we have come to destroy the works of the devil. And we are coming back with a truth about love and how to live it and how to live it eternally. So our salvation, last generation conversation, mm-hmm. is love, our generation. Have we taken that and just maybe uh, dissect, not dissected, and made it very understand, very applicable in our generation? I think we're just pointing at a different place. You okay. know, um, salvation is still obviously super important, but a couple generations ago, the family wasn't nearly as decimated as it is today. Right. Okay. So we have understood, yes, salvation, but our salvation is love. And then how do we love each other properly? And, and it's not about um, pray a prayer, 
and serve as a slave. It is, it is now see the goodness of, of a father who loves you and become a child of God. You know what I love about this? I think proper handing from one generation to the next is tricky. That's yeah. one of the reasons. I know you and I share love of the United States and mm-hmm. history. One of the reasons that I love our country is because it's done it more successful. I mean, from handling a, a culture from one generation to the next to the next. I mean, we're 250-something years into this. One piece of paper, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't see it all over the planet. All the people in England right now are rolling their eyes, though. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, you can rejoice with us. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. But... I love it I, when you when you draw attention to that, which I super love. Have we've taken that properly? We take what we were given, and we haven't improved on it, but we've been faithful with it and said that's right. Thank you for the salvation from the, in the church. Thank you for teaching us that we have to be saved. And in our generation, we're saying you know what it is to be saved is to love the Lord, is to love ourselves, to love each other. Mm-hmm. That sounds like it was a proper handing off from one generation to the next. That's encouraging. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, this is a land of the free, and um, we just have, we just keep over and over and over learning the lesson of freedom. Over and over and over. Over and over and over. What is it and what isn't it? Okay, Danny, it's just so interesting. Okay, that's our intro. <laughs> we have four minutes left. <laughs> with you in our staff meeting just now i just told our producer josh who's sitting here with us i was like i literally was totally in thinking it's just adjusting all my thoughts and emotions at the same time i'm thinking oh great i won't be able to think about anything else for the rest of the day i'm drawn into this conversation i'm really thinking about the next hundred years now oh you saying that you just whistled that tune and that song's going to be in my head all day that's it that's all i got for the next whatever I, I, I do want to talk a little bit, though, about Atlanta. When you come to Atlanta, uh, Bethel, Atlanta. It's such a family here. What do you feel? What do you see? Oh, we want to know. Uh, well, you know, one of the things people say, oh, you're so funny. I say, well, I'm just so relaxed. <laughs> oh, great. I'm That's just so, so relaxed. I'm just so, I'm just so at home. So it's fun. It's easy to be funny. It's easy to Good. tease and, you know, and uh, push things a little farther than normal and say things you can't really say some other places. Like last night I was describing a situation i had the guy's pants fall off you know i'm like oh you can't yeah that's the first time i've ever said that but you know what i said it here here you go <laughs> thank you man we're glad you're that comfortable and we i love I, I i think i could speak for all of us i love the you pushing it i love the bounds being pushed back of how we're thinking and what we're seeing and how we're believing i love it i just love it it's wonderful so thank you for that oh, i love doing it i'm glad you're com- what's making you comfortable here uh, you know, I've been here since the start. Twelve years ago, <laughs> I was here. So uh, there's been a lot of, a lot of history here. A lot of, a lot of victories. A lot of, a lot of pain. You know, a lot of oh, that wasn't supposed to go like that. Oh no. Oh, <laughs> working it out. Working oh, it out. <laughs> we, we're still working it out. You know, and but the beautiful thing is, everybody here is definitely wor- committed to working it out. Wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Bethel, Atlanta. We pre- what? What do you see? Look, look five years ahead. Oh, or do you? I do. Well, I see the uh, the maturing of uh, a ministry of a of a community of people that can handle the attention that you're going to get, that can handle the influence that you're going to have, to uh, handle the opportunities that are coming your way. So I think that is really what you're you're laying the foundation. You know, we're looking out the window of a, a foundation of a tent that's being you know set up over here, and I'm thinking. <laughs> 
that that <laughs> is so prophetic. It's just this like weird. What are we gonna put on there? Because we could put some. You know, we could put a big old tent on there. I think it's going to be a gazebo sometime in the future, but <laughs> but you know, like that is a monster gazebo footprint. I'll tell you what. I mean, that's going to be some massive weddings going on there. Um, I feel like that's what's happening is we're just we're just building out the foundation, extending the tent, the tent pegs, and 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 looking for growth. And it's going to be steady, mature growth. Have we? Again, this is a big question. Um, is this sustainable? So you're saying this is sustainable. You're looking ahead and like the, the 12 years, this foundation that's been laid. You know, share your illustration about getting the bubbles out of the clay. Are the bubbles out of the clay? Oh, well, you know, that that's a process. It's an ongoing process where you, you, know, you, know, you, you, you slam the, the clay on the table and you just keep doing that. And I'd never realized what we were doing. You know, like, what are we doing? Why are we slamming it? So, you know, it's already let's put it on the wheel let's put it on the wheel let's get this thing going no you got to slam the clay for a while you got to slam the clay and then they tell you well we're, we're taking all the air bubbles out that's what we're doing we're moving we're removing the air bubbles i go oh okay why and, and then you realize well, you fashion this beautiful thing that you want to use you know into the ages to come and if you don't get those bubbles out um your project becomes a bomb in the kiln and or if somebody else didn't get the air bubbles out of their character, so to speak, then they become a bomb in the kiln. When the, when the heat is turned up and you didn't get the air bubbles worked out, you end up destroying things around you. But you don't know about it until you open the lid. And you're like, oh, gosh. And so I think that as we build community and relationships moving forward, I just become willing to be somebody who is yeah, I expect to be slammed on the table for a while in situations, new relationships, new opportunities, new responsibilities. You're going to have to slam me on the table for a while and get all these air bubbles out before we really go to work to fashion what I'm going to become. So that expectation, is that what gives, uh, causes endurance and hardship when yeah. you just know this is headed somewhere? Like I'm going through it absolutely, but it's going somewhere. It's producing something. Yeah, it's a marriage, you know, early early marriage is all about being slammed on the table and working out the bubbles. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Then you have a baby. Boy, here we're back on the table again. Wham, wham, wham. Well, gosh, here we go. And then I get, you know, a, a, a career going and I got to work late and I got to work long and here you got kids at home and I got to slam it on the table again and here we go. And it's just nonstop. It's just, it's life. Life is being willing to have the bubbles worked out. You know, my parents told me that they used to, they, so we've been married for 21 years. My folks were wonderful people. And they said, marriage is to teach you how selfish you are. And I genuinely was mildly offended. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. You know me. The treat this guy's getting. I've, <laughs> I've lived in your house for 18 years. Wow, I have served faithfully here. <laughs> what kind of parent? Jeez. Six months into it, I'm like, oh God, you were right. Okay. What I, do I do? says every married person every day yeah yeah <laughs> die daily how long have you guys been married 35 this year oh Danny, are you saying it's still like this at 35 i'm saying like this it's just do you have adult children almost 20 yeah. in may boom okay well, there you have it um prepare yourself for some slamming <laughs> We're going to be working the bubbles right out of you. We have dinner tonight, and I literally have a list of questions in my phone. 
about I'm looking again we have 19 years old my daughter Eden who I, I just adore she's I, I adore her she's a wonderful person but she's not 20 you know and in college and I'm looking just 10 years ahead and what is about to happen in her next 10 years and oh I lose my breath yeah so I made a list of questions in my phone to ask you. Gosh, I, <laughs> You're my guy. I hope Sherry comes to dinner. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I hope Sherry comes to dinner. I carry this question around for all veteran parents. So what, from 20 to 30 was like, fill in the blank, help me. <laughs> yeah, no idea. <laughs> no idea. They, they are so surprising. They are so surprised. They just have a surprise for you around every corner. That's what's happening. Last question. Okay. I want to love their surprises, um, to love their surprises, to love my children's surprises. Is that, that, should that direct my attention to building myself, like my inner strength? Like I want to be a parent that's like, man, I didn't see that coming, but you're going to crush this. You got this. Mm -hmm. Instead of looking at it and being like, oh my gosh, you're going to blow up in the kiln and guess who's next to you, sister, me. Yeah. How is this just, it, do I turn my attention towards my personal growth so I can, when they do something huge that I, I'm confident, I can, I can face it with confidence. Well, you remember when they were toddlers <laughs> and they, I wasn't confident. Yeah, oh, yeah, no. yeah. And they, and they upset your apple cart every yeah. day. They did something new, but as soon as you have grandchildren, <laughs> nothing, nothing phases you. That grand, this is great. There, your grandchild knocks over that uh, that vase from the Ming Dynasty that's in your in your. <laughs> and, and, your entire family inheritance for the next. You're yeah, you're like, oh, honey, that's okay. Did you get hurt? Are you come here? Oh, no, no, Mimi, we'll sweep that up later. Whatever, you know what? Let's get your movie going here. Yeah, let's see. It's just, it's just, you're invincible as a grandparent. And it's because there's such a love for their uh, their success, for their dynasty, and you know that their dynasty, their destiny, Not, their destiny. No, it could be dynasty. Let's go down. We'll go back to dynasty. They do it right. I, I'm, be I'm back there on Ming. I'm back, I'm, back, I'm back there looking at the Ming dynasty. Um, you know, you're you're so love covers a multitude, but it also fortifies you. So as your kids are going through stuff, they're you know it's like. Your oldest child was your nervous child, the one mm. that you were so nervous with because mm. they were cutting edge, introducing things into your life that nobody else did. Mm -hmm. The second child, when the second child goes through the same thing, you're like, okay, well, I didn't have any fun last time, but you know, I know <laughs> this isn't going to kill me. When the third child goes through, you're like, okay, that's, oh, yeah, it's expected. When the fourth child goes through, you go, I didn't know we had four children. <laughs> you know, it's just, things just change. <laughs> things just change as you... <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you are, uh, as an adult, you, as your adult child goes through things, they'll, you know, that first big grandbaby is going to be a big old deal. And, uh, you know, the first time they have like real financial stuff, it's, a, it's really a big deal. Okay. And, you know, it's really a big deal. You know, you just, you just like, okay, we're going to make it. We, we made it through the vase. We're going to make it through this. So we live a life of firsts. Mm hmm but you get better at taking the firsts. Is that what you just said? Well, you get you get better at identifying the pitch that's coming over the plate. That swing and miss, you're like, I know, I know what I did wrong. I know what I did wrong. Okay, and uh, 
unfortunately, you know, it's not the same pitch over and over and over. They keep mixing it up on you, but um, you'll get another at bat. Okay. Hey, it's wildly helpful. Thanks so much. I really wish we had two hours. You might not. You might be tired. <laughs> I could sit here and do this for forever. But thank you so much. I just am, uh, am just blessed and your insights and. I feel like you just give so much room to grow in your thinking. So thanks so much. Like it's, it feels like an invitation to grow as opposed to this is what you should do. Uh, and I appreciate that. I really do. Cause it, it feels like one will create sustainability. Like if I'm making the decisions and I'm thinking through it, then I'll own it as opposed to this is exactly do this, do this, do this, do this. So thanks for that. Yeah, well, I appreciate you. It's why we listen to you so much. Great to be here. Oh, Bethel Atlanta chats, Danny Silk. Thanks so much, you guys, for tuning in. Keep tuning in. We love you like crazy. You remember Jesus loves you, and we love you too. <laughs>